Well, good morning. It's great to see you guys here today, whether you're at Bearden online or here at Maryville with me. Man, it is so good to be here. And if you've got a Bible, let's go to Genesis chapter 39. Last week, we started a brand new series called Dangerous Dreams. And I started by saying that dreams are dangerous. It's the nature of dreams. And if you have a dream for your life, a a God-given dream of who you want to become or what you want to accomplish, then the minute that you announce it, the enemy wants to destroy it. The moment you begin to accept it, the enemy wants to steal it from you. And so dreams are dangerous. Dreams are necessary. But we also know that when God is behind your dream, God blesses the dreamer. And last week we started with the life of Joseph and we saw that he had a dream from God and, and uh, he announced that dream to his brothers and his father and they already thought he was the favored you know, son and they already hated him. But when, they, when he shared his dream that he was gonna be a great leader and they were gonna be serving him, they hated him all the more. And so they beat him up and then they sold him into slavery. And that's where we wanna pick up uh, the story today. But we know that even in the midst of that adversity that he was going through, through we, we know that God is in fact working. We know that God is growing and we can trust that God is in control. Ultimately, God wanted to take Joseph and his family to Egypt. And so there was a bigger plan at play here. And so today in chapter 39, uh, verse one, we'll pick up and we'll see what happens next in the story. Uh, I read the story from Chuck Swindoll that he, he said there was a man that was hunting in Tahoma in the Tahoma wildlife area in Northern California. And he was climbing up this, you know, rocky, you know, terrain. And he kind of lifted his head up above one of these rocks and staring him in the face was a rattlesnake. Raise your hand if you hate snakes. Amen. Bless you. Uh, here is my worst nightmare, right? The snake lunges at him, misses his face, and the fangs get stuck in the guy's sweater. <laughs> he reaches and he grabs the, you know, the, the neck of the snake. I guess the, the neck, right behind the head. Is it all a neck? I don't know. <laughs> the biology of a snake. But he grabs him behind the head and he falls back off of this ledge. And so he, he hits the ground hard. He's got this snake that is continually like hissing and trying to, you know, bite him. The, the rattle is, is going off. He can feel the warm venom like going down his neck. And he finally, he's just had the presence of mind to just like, grab the thing, you know, by the, 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 the throat and he just squeezed as hard as he could. And eventually, like, he choked the snake to death. (laughs) And I read that story and I was like, that has never been my worst nightmare, but now it is. (laughs) Like, that would be terrible. But when when I read it, it just kind of hit me. It was just like, this is exactly what is happening every day that you and I face temptation. In fact, this is what we are going through on a regular basis because this battle that that we are fighting when we're tempted to sin is even more dangerous than having a rattlesnake at our throat trying to kill us, trying to bite us. And in our scripture today, we're gonna see how Joseph is tempted to sin. Um, Satan is described in the Bible in the uh, early stories of, of Genesis. He is in the form of a snake tempting Adam and Eve. 
Scripture also likens him to a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, seeking someone to kill, seeking someone to destroy. And so our, our sin nature and his temptation combines to wage war in our soul. And we know, Jesus tells us this in the word of God, that Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything good in your life. So listen to me, Satan hates you. His demonic forces, he himself is a real presence in this world and determining, moving, um, tempting us to do that which is evil in the sight of God, that which would tempt us, that which would steal our strength, kill our faith and destroy the dreams that God has put on your heart. He is a real and present enemy. And every single one of us will face temptation today and tomorrow and every day. No one is immune, including me. But the reality is what I hope that you start to hear today is that we're not gonna let the enemy win. We will not let temptation defeat us. We will not allow it to overcome us or to uh, move us any longer. Today, Joseph's gonna give us uh, some practical uh, advice, some practical uh, steps that you and I can take to overcome temptation in our life. Let's start in chapter uh, 39, verse one. It says, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. He's the new guy. And he was brought to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh. Uh, Potiphar was the captain of the guard, an Egyptian. And he had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had, bought, who had brought him down there. So his brothers sold him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites. The, and then Potiphar buys him from the Ishmaelites. He's the new guy. He's a slave. He's in a brand new country, brand new culture, doesn't know the language, doesn't know the systems, doesn't know anything about anything. And he's in this, you know, he comes from the, you know, being treated as the best in a small little country town to now he's in this mega city in his mind in, 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 in Egypt. And he's the low man on the totem pole. Um, some of you guys have been the new guy at, at one point in your life. You were the new guy at a new school. You were the new guy in the office, right? Uh, you had respect in the last office. You had tenure. You had people that knew, you know, you could get the job done. You were a good leader. You walk into a new business. You walk into a new area. Nobody knows who you are. And you have to earn the trust all over again. You have to earn the respect of the people in your life. He knows what it's like to be the new guy. And some of you understand and feel that pressure today. Um, the, the verse tells us that he is sold to Pharaoh, who is the captain of the guard. And the captain of the guard was, was a really uh, rugged elite group of men who were, you didn't want to mess with basically. And so that's uh, the role that Potiphar has. And so that's the guy that he's working for, very high level leader and a hard charger, aggressive. You don't want to mess with this guy. Let's keep going in verse two. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. If you have a Bible, underline this phrase every time you read it because he says it a couple of times. And he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, there it is again, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. So he puts Joseph in charge of everything that he has. 
And from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. So Pharaoh was blessed because Joseph was managing and leading the house. And it says that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. He didn't have to worry about anything because he had Joseph leading the way. Seven times here, it says that the Lord was with Joseph or the the Lord caused him to succeed or the Lord blessed his work or gave him success. He's the author of success in Joseph's life. And the same is true for you. Success comes from the Lord. And let's just be reminded of that because the story just puts it in our face. Success comes from the Lord. When the Lord is with you, when the Lord blesses, he gives you success, right? You can be uh, the hardest worker. You can do and make all the right decisions, but not experience success in this life. Because if the hand of God, the favor of God, the blessing of God is not with you, you won't experience success. And so God is giving him this favor. And as God gives him favor, Potiphar trusts him more, gives him more responsibility. And the same will be true for you and I. As God favors you, others will trust you. And so what's interesting is that this tragedy happened to this young man. He's 17 years old. We don't know how old he is here. Maybe it's been a couple of years that have passed. And so maybe he's 20, 21, somewhere in that you know, age range. And in the story that, that happened to him when he was 17, beaten up, hated and left for dead and sold into slavery by his family members could have caused him to be very bitter. Some of you were mistreated by your family. Some of you have gone through some really difficult things as a teenager. So you, you understand what it feels like to be betrayed or to be abused or to be hurt in some way, even by family members. And it leads us sometimes to a very bitter life. Joseph could have been bitter. He could have been depressed. He could have been angry. He could have become this guy that was just mean and angry all the time, but he doesn't. He allows the events in his life to make his faith stronger, make his character stronger. He allows his leadership to grow. He decides that he's going to be a hard worker, right? So he's becoming a better leader. And the result of this terrible situation in his life has led him to work harder, not become bitter, but it actually makes him better. And the same has to be true for you and I, no matter what we face, no matter what difficulty we've gone through, we've got to allow the negative experiences in our life, not to make us bitter, but to make us better. And I think his success is a result of two things that we see in the scripture here. And the first thing that we see is that Joseph was godly. In verse three, it says that Potiphar could tell that the Lord was with Joseph. So my question is, do other people sense and do they, do they see the Lord is with us? Do, do other people recognize that we are men of God, that we have faith in God? Do we carry ourselves in such a way that people can tell that the hand of God is in our life, that we are committed to him? Can people tell that you're godly? The second thing that I think we see here that brought him success is that Joseph was reliable. It tells us that Potiphar put him in charge of everything and he didn't have anything. He he had no cares. Like that's how much he trusted Joseph. 
He trusted him with all of the affairs of his household. The only way that you can be that trusted is if you've proven to be reliable. So here's the question. At work, do you get the job done? When your boss says, I need you to do this by this time frame, do you do it? And do you do it by that time frame? And do you do it with an attitude and a heart that other people can tell that, man, this guy, he's different. He's godly. He's reliable. Listen, if you put in the work, if you, if, if you do the work, if you walk with God, then in the process, you can expect God's blessing. You can expect success when you do that. It may not come exactly when you wanted it. It may not come at the level that, that you thought it should have been. But we can read all throughout scripture that if you are doing your part, if you are working hard, living by faith, God's blessing will follow. It's just a reality in scripture all throughout the word of God. Now, we teach this in our journey process. If you've been to base camp or camp two or camp three, we talk about in in our spiritual growth, God wants to grow us. We know God wants to bless us. We know God's hand of, of favor wants to be upon us. We know that because of the cross. We know that because he offers us his spirit. We know that because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. If we put our faith and trust in him, the spirit of God saves us, comes into our life. And, 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 and so we know God's blessing. Uh, God wants to bless us. We know that it's available, right? But we also know there's God's part and then there's our part. God's part is to do the saving. I can't save myself. You can't save yourself. Only God can save. God does the growing. God does the maturing. God does the equipping. God does all the growth stuff. And he wants to do that. We know that because of the gospel. It's the good news. But there's also our part. And if you're not willing to do your part, then you can't expect God to do his part. Your part is to want to grow. Your part is to pursue holiness. Your part is to work hard. Your part is to live by faith. Your part is to connect in a local church. Your part is to connect to Christian uh, Christians in your life relationally, to put yourself in those environments and to put yourself in a posture of worship, in a posture of ministry, a posture of service to God. That is your part. If you do your part, we can trust. God is faithful. We've, we've sung about it all morning. He is faithful to do his part. So maybe your prayer today is, God, give me a hunger for your righteousness. God, I'm not where I need to be. I don't know how to necessarily get there, but I know I need to be hungry for more of you. God, make me hungry for more of you. Help me to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Maybe that's the most powerful prayer you could pray in your entire life. Joseph was experiencing success, right? God was blessing. He was doing his part. Uh, God was giving him favor and, and, and doing incredible things through his leadership. And that success um, can oftentimes lead to failure. Um, we've got to be careful with success. It's a very, it's a very tricky business. There's a, a book that I've read that is, is a great leadership book, and it's what got you here won't get you there. And the premise is that whatever got you to the level of success you're at today is not going to get you to the next level. You've got to continue to work even harder. You've got to change things. You've got to do things differently in order to uh, continue to move in the direction that uh, you believe God wants you to go. And so the same is true here. Like when Joseph is successful, uh, he, he, he's, Potiphar sees 
his success, sees his leadership, but that's not the only attention that he gains. He also gets the eyes of Potiphar's wife. So let's keep going. Chapter 39, verse six. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me, AKA, I want to have sex with you, Joseph. (laughs) Verse eight, but he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. So point that we need to see here is this. Success is an easy target for temptation. Success is an easy target for temptation. Think about who does, who does Satan want to take out the most today? It's the godly leader who's trying to live his best uh, for the Lord. The, the godly man who is married, trying to take care of his family, trying to take care of his wife, trying to do the right thing. That is the guy that the enemy wants to take out. The respected leader, the one that has influence, that's the kind of leader Satan wants to take out. And so if you've experienced success on any level, whether you're a young person or whether you are a senior citizen today, God, God, if his blessing has been upon you, the enemy wants to take you out. That's the danger. Now think about it. When we experience success on any level, sometimes that could lead to pride. Sometimes that could lead to arrogance. So not only does the enemy want to take you out if you've experienced success, now your own pride and your own arrogance start to grow once you experience that. And you start saying, look at what I can do. Look at what I have. I don't need God because I've got all of this stuff. I've got a good wife or a good family and I've got this stuff and we're busy and we're running around and we've got all this stuff. I don't have time for you, God. I don't have any energy. Who needs Jesus? It's not that important to me. Our ego grows, right? Our pride grows. And that makes us an easy target for the enemy. It makes makes us an easy target for our own flesh and our own uh, sinful desires to cross that line and to live in darkness. And it hurts us and it breaks the heart of God. Now, another factor in this, uh, it says here in verse six that Joseph was a good looking guy, right? Now, being good looking is not necessarily a sin. It's not a sin at all, thankfully, right, Pastor Taylor? Um, <clears throat> that was a joke. Um, but the deal is, it brings on some added temptation, right? So if you're, you know, if you're young, you're in your, if you're a teenager, if you're in your 20s, you know, good looking, uh, that, that temptation is even stronger there's more opportunities. There's more women that present themselves to you or, or men that are chasing after you, right? This is part of the struggle. And of course, we live in a world that is constantly sending you messages, either on social media or everything that you're watching on TV is to cross lines of sexual sin, right? It's what everybody's doing. It's what you have to do in order to really get to know someone. You know, this is kind of the message the world sends. And God's clear in scripture, sex before marriage is sin. 
It, it breaks relationship with God. It breaks your heart and it leads to future problems with future relationships. It is wrong in every sense of the way. It hurts you in every sense of uh, the, the word sin. And, and so for us, we have to recognize that. This is uh, what I think catches Potiphar's wife's eye. He's successful. He's good looking. And so my question for you is this. Do you want to overcome temptation in your life? Think about it. Do you really want to overcome temptation in your life? And now some of you might say, obviously I do. I'm at church, right? I want to do what's right, but not so fast. Because some of you aren't really trying to do anything to overcome temptation. You're actually running to sin. For many of you, you would rather serve pleasure than serve holiness. For many in the room, the, 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 the idea of overcoming temptation hasn't even crossed your mind. You're just kind of living your life and you haven't even recognized that you're in spiritual warfare against a real demonic force that wants to kill you and destroy your future and destroy your life. And you just think, oh, I'm just, you know, out trying to have a good time. No, the enemy wants to hurt you. We're not going to let him. He's not going to have victory, but he will if you're not trying to overcome the temptation in your life. Joseph sets the, the, the pace for us. And so if you truly want to overcome temptation, here's step one. I think that he shows us. We've got to predetermine our response. You've got to predetermine before the temptation even comes, how you're gonna respond to any situation that you face. So for Joseph, he is faced with this decision. This woman wants to have sex with him. It's his boss's wife. Not a good idea on that level. Not a good idea because he knows what God's word says. He is predetermined that he is not gonna cross that sexual boundary in his life. And listen, if you do not predetermine what your decision is beforehand, you're much more likely to fall into temptation. You're much more likely to commit that sin in your life. So think about it. Let's get, let's get practical. W what is your predetermined decision when it comes to pornography? Like when, when you're scrolling on social media, is there a predetermined you know, posture or is there a predetermined decision that you've already made when it comes across your eyes? What's your response going to be at work, guys, when, when a woman flirts with you? What's your response going to be when everybody around you is, is taking drugs or drinking too much and getting drunk? What, what's your response in that situation? Have you even thought about it? Joseph had. He knew what his decision was. He knew where he landed. And the answer for him was no. I'm not going to do that. For some of you, You've got to make some predetermined decisions. And that's the only way that you're going to begin to overcome the temptation in your life. You've got to predetermine that pornography is messing with your brain. It's messing with your relationship with your wife. It's, it's, it's getting in the way of you finding a godly woman to actually marry. It's hurting you in every sense of, of the word hurt. It is, it is, it is breaking you down relationally in, in ways that you don't even, even really comprehend. And so what's your predetermined response? For some of you, it's just going to, I mean, it's kind of easy. It might be hard to, to actually do, but we know how to overcome it. Like we stop following certain accounts. We delete the fake accounts that we've created because we're trying to hide from things. We make the decision that this is hurting me and I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that anymore. Some of you just need to delete social media altogether. 
I'm not gonna get on my computer when my wife goes to bed. I'm alone at that point. I'm just not gonna do it. Predetermine how you're gonna overcome it. And that's the first step. When you do that, um, you'll be able to uh, fight the battle even more so. Married men, you gotta predetermine what your response is gonna be when the lady at work flirts with you. Is your response gonna be, oh man, this makes my little ego feel so good and and I just, you know, want to be, you know, fed by this and my pride grows and my wife never says anything nice about me. So that's why I'm, you know, all of those little internal conversations that you have in your mind. Or are you going to predetermine that deal right there will lead to destruction? That deal right there might as well be the voice of Satan in your life trying to ruin your marriage and destroy your spiritual growth. So, Maybe the, the, you know, when the flirting happens, it's just time for you to be rude. You say, well, I don't want to be rude. I think your wife wants you to be rude. I think there's a spiritual rudeness that should happen when, when, when that situation presents itself that God's okay with, right? Predetermine what your decision is going to be. When everybody else is getting wasted, when everybody else is, 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 is taking drugs or whatever it is, What is your response going to be? I don't want to ruin my life. I don't want to get in that situation. You've got to predetermine. Here here are three knots that I just want to encourage you to memorize and and, and to take to the bank. Like this could be your response in any given situation that you find yourself in, right? The three knots are this. It's not who I am. It's not who I am. Do you want to do this? Hey, do you want to engage this? Hey, do you want to cross this line and, and get involved in sin? It's not who I am. I'm a child of God. It's not who I am. I've done some bad things. I've crossed some lines. I get that, but it's not who I am. I'm not going back there. It's not who I am. It's not what I do. I know I've done it. I know I've messed up in the past. It's not what I do. I'm a child of the most high king. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm redeemed. I'm bought with a price, right? God has a a purpose and a plan for my life. And that's not... That's not leading me to the light. It's not leading me to his blessing and to his favor. That's just walking in darkness. That's not who, that's not who I am. That's not what I do. It's not where I'm going. If I do that, I know that it's going to lead to this and could ruin this and could harm this and destroy my future here and destroy the dreams that I know God has, has birthed in my heart. It's, it's not where I'm going. So in any given situation, with any given temptation, it's not who I am. It's not what I do. It's not where I'm going. And this is Joseph. I I think this is what he's determined in his mind. That's not who I am. It's not what I do. It's not where I am going. And and he's facing this temptation and she doesn't take no for an answer. Uh, And he's continually pressed. It says day after day. And what I love about his response here, he says, my master trust me in verses eight through nine. So part of the reason why he can say this is, is that he's determined to be loyal to his leader. He's determined to be loyal to his leader. He's not going to hurt his leader. Obviously, you know, it's going to ruin everything that he has, right? He can see down the line. He's not, he's not playing the, we'll just keep it a secret game. He's determined to be loyal to his leader. Are you loyal to your boss? Are you loyal? You just bad mouth them behind his back. It's going to, if you do that, it's going to kill your reputation is going to kill the, the, the organization. 
right? All the negativity. If you can't work for him, find a new place to, to work or for her, find somewhere else. But if you stick around and, and, you dis, and you're disloyal to this person, it's going to come back and harm you. Young people, are you loyal to your parents? Married folks, are you loyal to your spouse, to, to, to the commitments and promises that you've made? Joseph was loyal. But secondly, Joseph determined to be loyal to God as well. It says that Potiphar knew that the Lord was with him. He was godly. And so he was determined to be loyal to God. In verse nine, he says, how could I, how could I do this? This wickedness, he called it. Sex before marriage, sex with a married woman. This is wickedness. This would be sin against God, he says. So he's loyal to God. How could he do this? He wouldn't do it. He predetermined his response to be loyal to his leader and to be loyal to God. Secondly, to overcome temptation, you've got to pursue righteousness daily, every single day. Like in verse 10, it said that Potiphar's wife came at him day after day after day. You know, we, we kind of get a big head when we like avoid temptation. We're like, didn't do it today. I'm the man. Way to go, me. The thing about temptation is that it happens every single day. Temptation is consistent. Temptation never goes away. And some things are going to be a temptation for you for the rest of your life. You're going to be dealing with it. You're going to be struggling with it. You're either going to succumb to it or you're going to be fighting it. And the problem is the more we are tempted, the weaker we become. Paul even says this in the New Testament. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the more he is tempted, you know, you might think that he's wearing down because it happens to us. The messages or the opportunities are before us. They're before us, they're before us. And we said no once and we said no twice. That's not who I am. That's not where I'm going. That's not what I do. We said it one day, but then the next day we had to say it again and we get weaker and we get weaker. But Joseph models beautifully the strength that all of us need to have. He didn't weaken, although he faced it every day. He pursued righteousness every day. What's your pursuit of righteousness look like today? What does it look like for you every day? I mean, is it in the word of God? We're reading through the New Testament as a church. And so, you know, some of you started last year. Uh, We read through the New Testament last year. Maybe you didn't, you know, make it all the way through. So you're kind of on the two-year plan. That's fine. Keep going. Don't stop. This holds us accountable. Do it with a friend. Do it with your small group so that it helps us get into the word of God. We need this every single day. What's our prayer life look like? Who's praying for you? Who's praying, you know, over you? What does your prayer life look like? Are you attending? Like, do you have a, a spiritual mentor or somebody that's pouring into your life? You say, man, that would be great. How do I get that? Ask somebody. Ask somebody to help you. Ask somebody to pour into you. This is what we need every day. We need a daily pursuit of righteousness to overcome temptation in our life. Let's keep going here. Same chapter, verse 11. But one day when he, Joseph, went into the house to do his work, none of the men of the house was there in the house. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and got out of the house. (laughs) Joseph found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Nobody was there. 
You know, when other people were there, there's a sense of accountability and she maybe wasn't so aggressive. But on this day, nobody was there. The aggression came out strong, right? Here's the, here's the truth. If we want to overcome temptation, you got to put yourself in the right environment. You got to put yourself in the right environment. You know, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. The temptation comes, but his response is exactly what you and I need to do. Sometimes you're going to find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. What do you do? You run. <laughs> I love it. He, you know, she grabs him. He's got a you know coat or some kind of jacket on, robe on. And he kind of does this little deal and he gets out of it and boom, he's out of there, right? I love it. We've got to put ourselves in the right environments. And so he's running from the wrong environment, going to the right environment away from this woman. How many times in your life have you sinned or you've gotten yourself in trouble because you were in the wrong place at the wrong time? You weren't mindful about the situation that you put yourself in all, all the time when you're younger, right? You go to the party, something bad happens at the party. It's like, I can't believe that happened. Why does that happen? Because bad things always happen, young people at parties, always. You put yourself in the wrong situation, bad things happen. Some of you guys, you're on the business trip and, and in the evening, everybody goes out. Right. So you want to be one of the guys you want to be a part, and you know, kind of build that, you know, camaraderie and you and you're going out, but they're going to the wrong place. Where should you go? Predetermine. I'm just going to go back to my room and I'm going to FaceTime my wife. You know, I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to do something different. Why? Because I want to put myself in the right environment. I don't want to put myself in the wrong environment. Um, have you seen this uh, TV show? It's called um, uh, Temptation Island. Um, I think it's on the USA Network. Uh, so the premise here, nobody's going to admit that they're watching this show, right? <laughs> Especially today. Um, <clears throat> I just read an article about it, so I thought I'd share it with you. Um, just kidding. So the premise of the show is that they take these couples who are dating. They're not married, but they're dating. And they go to Hawaii, like, you know, beautiful island. And then they separate the dating couples and they put... You know, the females with these, you know, good looking, you know, studs to, to, to hang out with in this little uh, private area. And then they take, you know, all the dudes and, and they put these beautiful women in the same house with all these people. And then the premise of the show is let's watch and see who falls for temptation and cheats on their boyfriend or girlfriend. I mean, the Apostle Paul himself would not be able to sustain, you know, his, 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 his faith in that situation, right? I don't care who you are, like that's setting themselves up for failure. And they have all these weird, you know, reasons why they would do that. Well, we just want to see if we're strong enough to make it. Let me just help you. Your man is not strong enough. <laughs> he is not, he is weak. He is very weak. And so he needs all the help he can get. I need all the help I can get. Put yourself in the right environment, the healthy environment, right? Where there's like-minded people, where people are encouraging you to follow and live God's dream for your life and not the opposite. Show me the environments you put yourself in and I will show you your future. Take that, hold on to that. For some of you, it would be so simple as to make that change in your life. Young people, what environment? Are you putting yourself into every single day? Joseph does the right thing. 
And if you wanna overcome temptation, you'll do the same thing. Finally, number four, we've got to perceive the escape. Perceive the escape. Here's the good news about every temptation that you have ever faced. God always gives you a way out. There's always a way to avoid it. There's no temptation in your life that you're going to be able to stand before God and say, God, it was just too much. I just couldn't handle it. It was just way too much pressure and way too much stuff. And I just couldn't overcome it. And he would say, no, that's not true. I got a promise for you. First Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, every man in the room, you're not facing any temptation today that the billions of men in the history of the world haven't faced. It's not, it's not uncommon. You're facing it just like me, just like every other dude who's ever lived. But God is faithful. <laughs> I love it. It's what we've been singing about today. God is faithful he will not let you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. That's the promise. Everything you're facing, God is saying, you can overcome this. You can bear this. But when you are tempted, the promise is this. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure. You can endure the temptation. He's going to give you a way out. Some of you aren't perceiving the way out. You're not looking for the way out. You're just looking at the sin. You're just looking at the temptation. You're dialed in on what you want to do. And you're, you're not recognizing the devastation that it's bringing to your body or the devastation it's bringing to your relationships. You're not recognizing that it's ruining the dream that God has placed in your heart. There is always hope because God gives us a way out. But you've got to look for it. You've got to perceive it. And you've got to take it. You've got to run with it. Now, what happens when you don't overcome the temptation? What happens when you fall for it? What happens when, again, you didn't want to do it, but you did it? What happens when you walk into a room like this or you're walking into Bearden today or online and you're like, listen, I know there's sin in my life. Part of it is I want to do it. Part of it is that I'm having trouble overcoming it. But for whatever reasons, you come in with the weight of, of guilt in your life because there is sin and you see it and feel it and sense it. What do you do then? Well, here's a few things we need to see. First of all, your sin is against God. You might think you're hurting your wife or you might try to be, you know, getting back at your parents or you're getting back at a friend who hurt you or whatever. Your, your sin is against God. The book of Psalms is filled with this, uh, but, but David says against you, and only you have I sinned against. In other words, his, his mindset is that my sin is hurting God. And my sin is against a holy, righteous God who is sovereign and who is right now in heaven being worshiped. The God who is in control of all things, the God who holds your very next breath in his hands. This is the God that we sin against. And when we sin, it is, it, it causes God to be angry. It causes God to have a righteous anger against us. Ultimately, what sin does is that it breaks our relationship with God. And apart from Jesus, because our relationship with God is broken, our destiny is hell. Our punishment is hell. Our sin breaks the heart of God. It, it angers God. Right? It destroys our relationship with God. If you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you, know, you recognize that your sin has been forgiven. 
But every time you sin, your heart is hardened by that sin. Every time you sin, you, you walk away from God's plan for your life. His anger begins to burn. And you walk in the darkness of that sin. You are breaking your relationship with God. You're breaking the relationships that you have around you. So what happens next? Well, here's the reality here. God offers you forgiveness. God wants to give you forgiveness today. He wants you to experience forgiveness, true forgiveness, which brings peace, which brings happiness, which brings the blessing and favor of God. What do we do to get it? How do we experience this forgiveness? Well, you're familiar with this. I love this verse. It's one of my favorite, 1 John 1, 9. If, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. You're struggling today. You got sin in your life today. The promise is this. It's not who you are. It's not what you do. It's not where you're going. God offers you forgiveness. He offers you his plan. He offers you the favor and blessing and success that God wants to give to you. The question is, will you confess your sin to him today? I wanna ask you to bow your heads. Whether you're here or at Bearden, would you just bow your, your heads today and some of you would recognize and realize that you have never given your life to Jesus and you need to give your life to Jesus right now. You need to confess your sin to him and receive him into your life. Whether you're here in Maryville or at Bearden today or at home watching online, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, would you just say, God, forgive me of my sins. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sin. That he can't, and I invite him to come into my life today. Forgive me and save me today. I wonder here in the room in Maryville, I wonder who at Bearden today with every head bowed would just slip up their hand if you just prayed that prayer and say, I just prayed that prayer. I just gave my life to Jesus. Anybody at all here, whether at Bearden or in the room here, lift it up. I see one, two. Pastor Greg is taking a look there in Bearden. I praise God for those decisions. I want to encourage you, if that was your heart today, would you tell somebody? Would you share that with someone before you leave? For others in the room, maybe, yes, you've already given your life to Christ, but you recognize their sin. I want to ask you to do something bold today. I'm gonna ask you to do it and I'm gonna lead the way. So at both locations today, after I pray, would you, as a sign to God of confession, as a, as a physical sign, would you come to the front here at the stage and at the front of the stage at Bearden and take a knee and just confess your sin to God, whatever it is. Whatever it is you've been dealing with, whatever it is that you've allowed into your life, would you just seek his forgiveness? And as a church, could we humble ourselves in this way? 
seek the face of God, turn from our wicked ways so that he might heal our life, heal our land. It starts with you, it starts with me. Lord Jesus, as you hear the cries of our hearts, as you sense the desires of our heart today, give us an open heart to sense our need for you. Help us to, to, to know the sin that is in our life. Make it apparent, God. And may we confess it to you today. And as an act of humility, we, we take a knee and bow before you as a church family today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet? And if you are willing to do that, would you make your way forward? And let's give our hearts to Christ in this confession moment. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.